Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. Another tough week for stocks amid questions about just how far this correction might go. The Investment Committee debating your best moves in this still unsettled market. And joining me for the hour today, our investment committee, Kerry Firestone, Steve Weiss, Josh Brown, and Brian Belsky. BMO is Brian Belsky here on set two. Happy to have him. Check the markets. Dow's positive. Highs of the day, 65 points thereabouts. S&P is now green as well. So you've had some buyers come in. NASDAQ is uh, picking up the rear, and that's kind of the way it's been for the last couple of weeks. Josh, you've got some technical difficulties, as we would say. Dow, S&P, NASDAQ all below their 50-day moving averages yesterday. You've got Sort of momentum has dried up, third negative week in a row. Russell's not doing well. So you can sort of pick the area of the market you want to pick on because there's a lot of places to look at. So I've been in the camp that this is seasonal and is what you should expect in the month of August. And I have a million charts that back that up. And I'm not ready to move away from that argument. If things get materially worse, I may be forced to rethink that. I do not think that this is about all of a sudden there's going to be this renewed push for a ton of new rate hikes. And in fact, most people, you ask them what's going on in the market this month, why did August suck so much, they'll tell you, oh, well, the odds of the, the rate increase are substantially higher. No, they actually aren't. Actually, it's a 90% chance of no hike and a 10% chance of a 25 basis point hike, and that would be okay. I don't think that that is a huge difference. Now, we do have some positioning stuff going on, and a lot of the macro people will tell you, look at yields all over the world. They're, 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 they're higher. Okay. It's a steepening. It's what you should have. If GDP now forecasts are to, to be believed, we're going to have another quarter of strong growth. Why wouldn't we have more steepening? So for me, that's enough. One area of concern, and I'd love to get Belsky's take, maybe seven and a quarter is too high for, for 30-year mortgages. Like Maybe that's where things get real. And the sell-off in home builders yesterday was probably the proximate cause for that was probably that mortgage number. Maybe that's where I have the most concern. How much higher can that go before something gets hurt? But other than that, I'm just not seeing what other people are seeing. And I think this is a textbook August doldrum kind of pullback. Yeah. Brian, the correction thus far, you know, S&P is down about five and a half percent. I thought Goldman's Tony Pascarello sort of set the scene well in his most recent note where he says, quote, liquidity is ebbing, price action skittish, and tactical nerves are suddenly a bit frayed. <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> I love ebbing, right? I mean, Josh and I were talking beforehand, and, and you, know, you go back and look at my career, and August is always something going on. And remember, last year was, was very, very volatile heading into September. And so we're not surprised to see this weekend. We're, we've been talking, uh, this weakness, we've been talking about this for quite some time. And you talk about the home builders, Josh. I mean, I think people forget that home builders actually were one of the best performing industries after tech. So this could simply be some profit taking, number one. But number two, 
That 7% number on mortgages does freak some people out. But remember, also from a supply standpoint, you got a lot of supply coming in the home builder. So I think that's an area that you want to you want to start with these types of reactions on stocks that have been outperforming, Scott, you want to start try to try to make a list of some of these things to bottom fish a little bit in September. So you you bumped your target on the S&P up on June 5th, yeah, right from 4,300 to 4,550. At what point do you start getting a little nervous about 4,550, just given the unsettled nature of where we're at? And also seasonally, as you said, yeah. you know, September, October could be a little tough. September, October could be a little tough. I'm, I'm, I'm actually more worried that um, 45.50 might be too low because I think the way earnings are coming in, Scott. So the way that earnings are tracking, I think there's a very good shot that we make it to our bull case of 230. And I think that could ultimately buoy stocks higher in October, November, December. Remember, September, uh, we're, we're, we're more back to normal than we have been the last few years. And September's conference season. We're going out and visiting companies. We're talking to companies. This has been the bottoms up stock picking type market this year. And this is all about fundamental stock picking. So I do think we're going to see some sort of a rebound and really strong fourth quarter, which actually get us closer to the 50 50 level. But you know what's not back to normal? It's sort of back to abnormal is China. Right. Yeah. And that's this overhang that we're trying to assess. You know, the recovery was sluggish and now it looks like a deceleration in growth there. And, you know, where the market was able to brush that off for a while, seems like it's having a harder time doing so now. I think from a growth perspective, that's why I think um, Josh is spot on with respect to the, the potential for further rate increases. If China is actually going to be really slowing like everybody thinks it is, then the Fed may have to think uh, the opposite direction, number one. Number two, remember, emerging markets in China did very well last year. So this could also be part of the unwind on that side. But there's no doubt that there's massive fundamental and macro issues in China that we've been avoiding. Yeah. So, Kerry, you know, uh, Michael Hartnett over at Bank of America sort of sees this swoon, if you will, through the summer. Maybe you go to 4,200 late summer. But there are others who say, okay, and you know, I think Brian is, is channeling this this point of view as well, that even if you have some selling here and some profit taking in tech that you, you get through the fall and it could be a little ugly like it typically is. Uh, and then you have a ramp though. And you have a ramp into the end of the year that can still get you to some nice targets. Well, that would be quite a swoon if we go to 4,200, and, and we're not thinking that's going to happen. Uh, I suspect that people will start to take the opportunity with some of the tech names that they've missed to begin to nibble. It's interesting that it's a Friday in mid-August. The market opens down. A lot of Fridays when the market is down after a bad Thursday, that continues and it accelerates into the day. What's happened so far today is that we're seeing a settling down and people are coming in and buying. So obviously people are watching, investors are watching what's happening with these names that have led the market. And in general, as Brian pointed out, earnings were decent. They were better than feared. And if GDP is really in the 4 to 5% range or even higher, we're going to start to see that in earnings. You know, we are a consumer economy. If consumers are spending, which we've heard that they are and we see that they are, then you're going to have numbers that are going to give people encouragement to buy those names into 2024 because, you know, the market underneath the top names is not that expensive. You know, if you look at small and mid-cap names, they're 14 times earnings and the multiple of the largest companies 
are coming down, even if, you know, Google, for example, and, and uh, Meta are not very high multiple stocks. They are below the market um, multiple. So, uh, you know, I think that settling down right now is, is a good idea. It is healthy. It was what we needed to see with, uh, with the mega cap names. And, and, that, and that's what we're experiencing. Yeah, but no. we can start also to see buying. And everybody always says that, though, well, it's healthy. It's what we needed to see and until you're actually going <laughs> through it. Right. I mean, we all know that story. And by the way, um, we've been talking a lot, Weiss, about, you know, the, the inability of the market to find its footing, so to speak, as long as interest rates continue to go up. You know, rates have been backing up now today. At least they're backing off. Uh, Apple's been going down pretty consistently. Buyers coming in, though, it was red. Now it's green. Um, and it's no surprise that as those phenomena happen, uh, it's enabled the market to turn a corner, uh, at least as we come on the air here and, and get back into positive territory. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think today is tied to yields. So that had been the story. So while I agree with Josh that the base case remains the same, which is that the Fed's done, inflation's under control, and, uh, and the economy is strong, and it'll be no landing, soft landing. That's the base case. But there have been some nicks in that story recently. And the nicks are, will there be China contagion into the U.S.? Are rates too high? And will they stay higher for longer, which has been my base case? And then, is there going to be some softening? Is the, uh, you know, is what the Fed's done over the last year and change finally trickling into the economy as well as you see student loans and savings? Savings have been completely depleted if you look at some of the data that's come out. So those are the nicks in the armor. It's exacerbated by low volatility, by high volatility rather, and low volume in this seasonal period. So, look, I think the market's okay, but I think it's a great opportunity to trade the market mm -hmm. in certain instances. Today being a perfect example, uh, Meta was down, you know, nine bucks or so. So I took the opportunity to buy a trading position in addition to the position that I had. As you may recall, I shaved it about a month ago. So you get opportunities to trade if trading is part of your expertise. If it's not, you're best off just buy and holding. But the other thing that's really hit home, and when you take a look at Apple, I think it's a prime example, is that people realized, hey, valuations were excessive, that the move in the market was multiple expansion, and by the way, some of these stocks did not deserve it, Apple, in my view, being one of those. So, look, I think at this point you'll be more realistic in valuations going forward than just a pure momentum market. This well, is going to take some work to figure these, out what you, know, you want PEs, to Mega cap PEs have come in, obviously, as the stocks this month, for example. Yep. Apple's down 11.5%. Microsoft, 6.5%. Alphabet, 4.5%. Meta, 12.5%. NVIDIA, 9.5%. Josh, you had to believe that there's so much optimism around those names that it wasn't going to take much, much more. Uh, for buyers to come in. It's not like the stories have really changed. There's so much hype and optimism around AI and the positioning that these select companies have within that universe and where we think all of that's going. Buyers were going to come in. It's just, you know, are, are you going to get enough buyers to come in to re reverse some of that steeper selling in names like Apple, which, you know, some have suggested could potentially trade back down into the 150s. I, mean, I don't know if you believe yeah, that or not. So, so number one, we're talking about stocks that are up between 50 and 80 percent off their lows from less than a year ago, last October. If we froze the market right now and you told everyone, sorry, we're closed until uh, December 31st, nobody in those stocks would be unhappy 
with their year-end uh, 2023 performance. What's more interesting to me is if we're really going to get the rotation. And, you know, I, I was all on board with, okay, let's look at small and mid now. We had a really big run in the first half. Now let's pivot. And I, I wanted that to work for a lot of reasons. And it was working. You had this furious 15% rally uh, for small caps, which had done nothing up until May. You had a lot of participation. I was with Eric Valchunas last night talking about ETF flows. All of the money was going into mid caps. Going, you know, so so you or, or equal weight ETFs, which is really interesting. But then look at August. Uh, the small names are doing worse. Uh, the Russell 2000 is down eight percent month to date. The S and P is only down five. So that narrative might might hold true for the rest of the year, or it might already be over. And I'd love to hear what your take is on that. Because you, can you, we look at other stocks besides the S&P 50? Well, you're, Brian, you're, to Josh's point, you're you're looking at small and bids, yeah. and and you see attractive valuation but that doesn't mean that attractive valuation means goodbye now right so let's talk about the rotation and the, and the back to normal and having owning all these other types of asset classes from smid to value to garp and all of this so what we looked at this week was the four major pillars so relative performance versus the big caps relative earnings growth the relative valuation and relative operating performance and from all four of those especially performance obviously because they've gotten killed in valuation we're seeing multi-decade lows so that tells us that especially on the on the back end on the operating performance of these names small mid cap in terms of return on equity in, in free cash flow they're amazing names and so we do believe that you want to have exposure there and clearly august was all about long duration assets being penalized, tech and small cap. So we think actually this is an amazing opportunity to do your bottom fishing and your work on a, on a fundamental basis, this mid cap world, and really start to add to that type of allocation. Do you think we're going to get to Josh's you know, questions about a, a rotation, whether you're actually going to see it? Do you really think we're going to get it? And if so, why would you? Why well, would you? I think everything's kind of going back to normal. So why, why wouldn't the investment cycle go back to normal? So you had shock in 2022. You have awe in 2023 because we feel a little bit better. But as <laughs> What's we everything going back to normal? What does that mean? Well, we're going back to work. Uh, we are starting to see the trends of normalized earnings growth, normalized valuation, normalized interest rates. There was still negative earnings growth, though. Let's not... Let's not Paint a I'm talking over the on, next three to five years. Our, well, okay, that's a much longer yeah, time frame. Over the next three to five years. As you're an investor, we need to shake things out, and we're positioning for that. Steve said we're higher for longer. Yeah, that's great. Of course we're higher for longer. Higher for longer in interest rates are going to be higher than zero. But see, everybody, I mean, look, anybody would come on and say, well, if your time horizon is three to five years, it's a good time to buy stocks because they traditionally go up over a three to five <laughs> right, year right. period. That doesn't help people that much, I but don't think. But you have to go through I would, the. I would yeah. argue that helps people more than what's going to happen for the rest of the month of August. Well, I'm not. Who cares about the rest of the month of August? We can talk about the rest of the year. I think it's potentially more relevant than thinking, well, just blanket advice. Well, three to five years well, is great. Earnings are going to be much better three to five years from now than they are today. Wait till you see them 10 years from now. It's a process, <laughs> though, right? It's a process. You can't have one of these periods, Scott, where you have massive outperformance of growth for 10 to 12 years and no representation from value or no representation from small mid cap. Remember, the, 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 the best thing about America in terms of the growth is about small mid companies, not the, just the consumer, it's small mid companies. We think it's a burgeoning asset class that actually is massively underowned. And from a contrarian basis, now the fundamentals are telling you to buy this. That's why we're so uh, well, excited. Less China exposure Correct. Is, the, is the positive. If you, 
equal weight of portfolio to 16, 17 times earnings, much less than market cap weight. The negative is, historically, more interest rate sensitive. So is that going to be a risk to the rotation, to the, to the value trade? I want to get, Do these companies yeah. have to roll, roll debt? But he asked the question, Kerry, Josh does. Um, what, what's your answer to that? Will it make a difference because of, of interest rates? Well, of course, on the, on the small and cap, mid caps, they, they can move a lot. But this market, you know, you're looking at two companies, Apple and Microsoft. They are worth about the same as the bottom of 300 names of the S&P 500. I mean, think about that. So, you know, of course, those stocks to move. I hope they move. What matters overall right now is, you know, what those big guys girls are doing because, you know, 15% weight in two stocks, that's what you got in 300 names on the S&P. So we, we really all are, are, have to be concerned about how the market trades them. Weiss, small, mid, or mega? What's the best way to go right now? You know, it's really bottoms up. But here's what I'd say. If you look at what's happening in the lending market, credit is much, much tighter for small and mid-sized companies than large cap companies. And they need to keep borrowing. And if the economy does hit that rough spot, and look, the economy's not evenly advancing. We see that, you know, through through reports actually, and you're right, Ern Scott, earnings were down again this quarter. So we're in an earnings recession, let's be clear about that. That impacts the small companies much more so than larger companies who don't need to finance, particularly the ones that you highlight, they're cash cows. So they can still borrow if they need and they don't need to below market rates because who doesn't want them as a credit? But in terms of lower, just any lending survey, any data coming out of the Fed shows that credit is getting very, very tight there. And even if credit weren't tight, what does it do to your margins sure. when you've seen money but, go from free to go to 7% and higher, you know, during you know, the past year? What if I made the argument, though, to you, the, the time to be negative earnings on earnings was six months ago? Not today, uh, because you, you have to at some point make the argument that they've troughed and that the negative right. earnings growth that we've seen is going to rebound, which is the projection for, you know, the earliest part. And once you get into more significantly into 2024. Yeah, earnings will rebound at some point. I'm not that optimistic right now. And the reason being is that rates are going to stay higher. So what's going what's to be the catalyst for, rate, for earnings to have a significant pickup, right? Particularly as you've depleted the household savings that you have there, particularly as you see credit card delinquencies slightly moving up, particularly as you see household debt increasing. What will be the catalyst? The other issue, I don't know. Um, I just feel like if the economy is, is going to be much stronger than people think, there's your catalyst for an improving earnings picture. I don't, I don't necessarily think you need well, inflation, much, inflation, much more than mo inflation moderating. That hurts margins a bit, obviously. Inflation well, moderating. Is, is, is I'd say inflation is has a helped potential earnings, contributor to earnings troughing yes, and, and then turning higher. Yes, inflation has helped earnings. That, that's part Infl of. I think no, no, no. Of the point. Let's let's all stop. Let's all stop. Inflation has helped revenue. Earnings can improve if we get to a situation where we're not just relying on pass-throughs of costs, but we actually have a situation where companies can breathe again. And if the labor market gets a little bit less tight. 
I, I would argue that that's a potential source of earnings of earnings improvement. I want to turn our attention to in the, in the I, I, final. Hang on, Weiss. I want to I want to move on because I okay. only have a few minutes left in this segment. I want to turn the attention sure. to Nvidia, um, just because what's been happening with mega cap and the meltdown that we've seen. And I mentioned the stock this month is down nine and a half percent. We've been talking about it a lot, and for good reason because, you know, Josh, you're, you're the you're the expert on this one, and the pressure's got to be real high. Just It'll be high yeah. enough anyway yes. after the, the dramatic stock move that we've had. But now with the pullback, now with questions about mega cap tech, um, man, that bar is going to be real high next week for NVIDIA. I, I agree. And you've got street high targets now with four digits. Almost every day you're getting a new, new target, you know? Listen, there's a lot of enthusiasm for the stock. It's, it's well-founded enthusiasm based on the fundamentals. The only real de- the debate is not is NVIDIA going to kick ass this decade. The debate is are you overpaying for that right now? And I, I can see uh, where you could win that debate just very simply. This is one of the most expensive stocks ever in the S&P 500. Right now, actually, it is the most expensive. It's 40 times trailing uh, 12-month sales. How many stocks have gotten to a valuation like that and have rewarded their shareholders three and five years out? Not a lot. The thing is, historically, gives you nothing on a 12-month look ahead. And you've had a lot of really expensive stocks continue to get more expensive or to excel. The most bullish thing I could say on NVIDIA is, yes, the price is higher this year, but the fundamentals have made a quantum leap forward. And if they execute, that then the price will be justified. I can't tell you this is a cheap, great opportunity. Jump in it right now. I wish I could. It's just not the reality. But maybe you feel better. Um, I guess I'm asking you a question. I will never feel better. No, I'm asking, I'm asking you in terms of, you know, at least you haven't gotten a continued ramp up into the earnings. You've gotten the pullback. Dude, So the stock was $120 a share like 16 months ago. I mean, yeah, it's great that it didn't go up another 30% this quarter, but the, the pressure is definitely, I agree with your original premise. This is tough. This is tough. You want to be in it. Look, the data center opportunity, $250 billion. They had 6% of it. They're probably going to have like 30% of it. That's the opportunity here. That's why everyone's so excited. You're just not getting that all in one quarter. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's the, the risk here. You own it, too? Yeah. We own it in two or three portfolios. You're as, like, as concerned as I am that no. it's made the move? No, because uh, this is a right. stock we picking environment. Out more two, <laughs> two best in brand names in terms of semiconductors, AMD and NVIDIA, and I think they're going to continue to run the ship. The issue is, is that what you were talking about is maybe investors are going to buy the news instead of selling the news. That's where Scott is kind of going on, that, right? So what we've seen is no, some of these names. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going on that. I'm just saying that the dynamic feels like it's maybe a, a little better going into yes, a print yes. with a pullback rather than a, a further ramp Correct. for a stock that's already up 200% year to date. Correct. You have more risk of, of selling. Well, how much your- is the pullback even though? It's, it's like it's not a substantial pullback. No, I said it's no. down 12 percent yeah. from its 52-week okay. high. It's not even down 10 percent fully over over the month that we've witnessed the, the pullback, Brian. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's, again, one of those names that are a very short list of names that you want to start bottom fishing heading into September. Maybe it's the most critical. I know we keep hyping Apple up as because it's the, you know, the size of the market cap makes obvious sense. But maybe NVIDIA is the most important stock in this market right now. First of all, it's a trillion dollars. Second of all, I think a large part of the Nasdaq rally that we had this spring into summer was predicated on the AI story. It like came out of nowhere and it enabled us to all stop talking about the Fed and CPI. 
Um, so NVIDIA has to deliver because a lot of other large cap stocks that have had big run-ups this year are reliant on that AI story being intact. The infrastructure, the build, the demand, like that has to, that has to stay good for a lot of other stocks, not just NVIDIA. Arguably, it's more systemic than Apple. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to discuss a bullish call on one stock trading at six-year lows today. Josh called it a value trap earlier this week. The debate on that trade is coming up next. (laughs) We're back on the half in just two minutes. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. We're back on the half. Let's get to our call of the day now. It's Mizuho sticking with its buy rating on PayPal. They say the stock has more than 50, 50 percent upside. Earlier this week, though, Josh said he wouldn't touch it. I think PayPal is a huge value trap. There are a lot of people that come on our show that talk about this as being cheap. I think Apple and Google Pay options are just absolutely draining their moat. It's at a six-year low today. I still wouldn't buy it. Carrie, you own it. So what do you think about the call? 50% upside and what Josh had to say the other day. And for like the last year, in fairness. Yes, yes. In fairness. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is the opposite of Meta, of course. I mean, Meta is a stock that was down a similar amount. I mean, I think PayPal is down 80% from the peak and App, you know, Meta was down 70-something percent. And everyone said, They've got nothing left that no one cares about Instagram. It's all going to be TikTok. And and many people on the show came on and said, forget Meta. It's it's done. They changed the name and, you know, it's a disaster forever. PayPal uh, has the dominant market share in payments. You know, I understand that this has not been a great stock. It's been a horrible, horrible stock. It trades at 10, 11 or 12 times earnings. That's not the point. It's in the penalty box because it's not performing. They now have a new CEO. Anyone who's owned it and who hasn't bought more means their position is very small. So we're hoping that something happens, that Alex Gritz can do something to make this stock what do you want you know, to do? perform, that revenues start to look better. Uh, what do we want? We want to see them beat the numbers. You know, making the numbers isn't good enough. They've been making the numbers, maybe beating them, and then they essentially take down guidance. They've got to start raising guidance. We have to start seeing revenue growth. And that's not been happening. Revenue so growth I'd is uh, seven, seven percent. Revenue growth is now seven percent. 
Uh, it's been falling yeah, every quarter terrible. for the last three years. When it goes negative, are you going to yeah. be concerned with we want them to beat the number? Or, or are you going to be more concerned with maybe there's a, a structural issue here? Yeah, there could be, and we won't own it then. And it's not a stock we're proud of. We have many names that have done great this year, and unfortunately, this has been a terrible. It's down 15% in a market that's up more than 15%. So, it's actually, you know, who would want to own it? I mean, it's. Why, yeah. Weiss, it's, this, it's this really year. stunning. I mean, didn't, if I'm not mistaken, this market cap of PayPal, you know, with, within the last couple of years, I think, was more than Bank of America. Um, 300 billion. Oh, Weiss it's is frozen. Uh, 60. It's a, it's yep. a, I mean, it's one yeah. of the worst. Well, Weiss, oh, Weiss you back? We got him. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I didn't go anywhere. Uh, well, the, uh, look, the issue with... Am I good? Yeah, you're good. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. The, the, uh, the issue with PayPal, and you have to be aware, and in the private markets know this, is that there are no shortage of apps that have raised significant capital that don't make any money, they're going right after PayPal. So PayPal started out with almost the entire share. Now their share is down to about 54%, and I believe trending lower. So it's become very, very competitive. It's a very tough space. And frankly, I just wouldn't be there. I agree with Josh. I mean, it, you know, fintech is ubiquitous. Payment applications, ubiquitous. There's always a better mousetrap on something like this. So I would stay away from it. Look, you can't short it because anything down 80 percent, the sentiment is so bad that it wouldn't take much of a glimmer of hope for this stock to rally like 10 percent in one day. So it's, this is not a call like, oh, I think it's going to zero. I'm just saying there are a lot of stocks you could buy. This one is fighting with Apple and Google and every fintech that Steve Weiss just mentioned and gravity. And it's, it's going to be very difficult. The new CEO is a good move. I don't think it would have happened absent the, um, the activists. But the activists, well, by the way, is gone. They left. They, they left at a, at a, at, they left at a six-year low. So, and, and now, this, the, this is the last thing I want to say on this. Um, and this is, I think this is important. Now you have a company that uh, effectively had this deal with eBay where they were the built-in cash register of record for that entire ecosystem. That sunsetted a long time ago. The two companies split up. And other than the pandemic, when everyone had to buy everything online overnight, outside of that, they never really found their thing that only they could do and no one else could do. The guy that's the new CEO seems promising, but understand, He's a guy that acquires things. He, he, he was at Intuit, and he bought MailChimp, and it was a very expensive, I think, good acquisition. Does PayPal have the patience of its shareholders to start doing acquisitions right now? I don't know. I don't Carrie, know. Carrie, last word quickly to you. You sound, you're, you sound as though you're going to be patient with this name rather than just sell it and move on and take the L. We're going to give them a chance. I don't think we're going to be patient for long. We've been patient already, and, you know. The, the clock is ticking. Yeah. All right, let's get the headlines now with Leslie Picker. Hey, Les. Hey, Scott. A historic summit underway at Camp David with the leaders of Japan and South Korea. President Biden began the meeting by saying, quote, our countries are stronger together, are stronger and the world is safer as we stand together. The leaders have committed to a new pledge to consult with each other if there is a security crisis in the Pacific. The agreement comes as the countries look to tighten security and economic ties amid increasing concerns of aggression from North Korea and China. 
Former President Donald Trump is seeking to delay his federal election interference trial. Trump's attorneys asked for a trial start date in April 2026, more than two years after prosecutors are looking to get the trial started. Cruise and Waymo's robo-taxi app saw a surge in downloads after being approved to expand operations in San Francisco. The companies are able to start charging for driverless rides in the city with no limit on the number of robo-taxis on the road. Downloads were up nearly 70% for Waymo and nearly 80% for Cruise in the five days following approval. I, uh, I was not one of those downloads, Scott, but I do trust robo-taxis more than my own driving skills. So oh, I oh, see a market there. Uh -oh. All right. <laughs> Leslie, thank you. Leslie Picker. Coming up, our chart of the day. Palo Alto's plunge ahead of a rare Friday evening earnings report. Christina Partzinevelos joins the committee next with what to watch for. Halftime is back just after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Shares of Palo Alto moving slightly lower today as it gears up for a rare Friday afternoon earnings release. That decision to report on a Friday in the summer after the close is raising a lot of eyebrows. Christina Partzinevelis joins us now with more. Good to see you. Dan Ives, by the way, who loves this stock and he covers it. Now, he put out a note yesterday. He, he said that it was... The uh, biggest eye store. I have it, actually. I'm going to mention that. I have a full today, he told us... He said it's simply because they did it on the Friday night. Fears of a horror show. Oh, wow. Fears of a That's horror even show. worse. He's getting even more. Well, he says the bark's likely to, likely to be worse than the bite, but still. One of the worst IR moves ever, according to Dan Ives. By the way, he's going to be on Closing Bell, but nonetheless, I digress. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, the company, actually, since they announced that on August 2nd, the stock has actually dropped 18% wide. To your point, Dan Ives' point, speculation that the company could be hiding something bad since... Maybe attention tends to dissipate on Friday afternoons. Guidance, though, is a concern. Competitors Fortinet say customer billings will grow about 10% year over year in December 2024 quarter. That's down from 18% in the June quarter, down from 30% in the March quarter. And earnings are also soft for Fortinet, which is why the street may be fearing the worst for Palo Alto. In the Palo Alto's press release, though, they did say they would provide full year 2024 guidance and update medium term. Uh, goals throughout fiscal 2026. So I was just chatting with Sarah about this earlier. Maybe they're being considerate to analysts to allow them to update their models in time. And according to her, she said that there's a sales meeting uh, this weekend as well. So perhaps they're just being nice and free marketing, right? We're talking about it. We're hyping it up. Every single news outlet or business news outlet has mentioned these. You know why investing is so hard? This was a $255 stock in June. Record high. And now it's like the world is coming to an end like a month later because of the date they scheduled their earnings. What if it's a non-event? Well, that's, that's, not the old, that's not the only reason. Microsoft launched two products which compete more squarely than ever against Palo Alto. So that really started the decline. And let's not forget that the pop in the stock was largely attributed at the time to inclusion in the S&P. 
So there are other factors of here. The momentum died, reversed, but Microsoft is a real threat. And then, as we just heard, you've seen some enterprise slowing in terms of spending. Mm. So it's not just that it turned on a dime for no Belsky, reason. You, you got the stock. Yeah, we you, own it. You, you think this is uh, you have three hours to get out. Much ado about <laughs> much ado about nothing do. or what? So run, Can run. Can we fast? put a clock on the screen, please? A countdown. <laughs> no, I, I, it's tough to say. I mean, they may be playing all of us too. I mean, they could be, but no, we're gonna we own the stock. We we believe in the product and the vision of the company longer term. Again, this is one of these things where you this is a name that's gonna probably fall into your lap, and you want to buy more after the dust clears. CrowdStrike's the name you like. Why? Well, they don't report on Fridays. So let's start with that. <laughs> don't pull that nonsense. Uh, no, I, I think the, I like the roadmap. The Falcon uh, is their flagship, and uh, they were talking about AI years before it became a buzzword on Wall Street because what they're really trying to do is, as one of their customers on the network has an incursion, in real time, the system is updating all of their customers' uh, shielding so that it's not just let's deal with one, one break, one hack, one hack, one breach. Let's deal with this network-wide. And all of the best publicly traded businesses, especially NASDAQ companies, are these type of network effect companies. So if you think about it from that standpoint, the more Fortune 500 and large government organizations use CrowdStrike, actually, the stronger its protection gets because the whole network is gaining from that intelligence in real time. So I like that story. I think it makes sense. The fundamentals have been great. A lot of, lot of growth here. And I think for the foreseeable future, they're going to have that, that area of the market uh, and do really well. So. I guess, I guess we're going to see you in overtime then on this summer Friday. I, yeah, I, was, I have a flight. I was hoping <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have to cover it, but I guess Thanks uh, a lot, I had to stay. Alto. Yeah. Happy hour drink's gone out no the window. No change fees. Jeez. Bump it a little later. I'll see you on Closing Bell, too. All right, <laughs> Christina Parts and Nevelos. Up next, Mike Santoli with his midday word. We're back after this. Markets commentator Mike Santoli, as you see, uh, is here with us now. So we have some buyers come in. You figured it was going to yeah. happen at some point. You figured it was going to happen. Maybe you would have understood the circumstances when you finally, uh, after yesterday's action, you know, started to click to some oversold conditions. And then four and a quarter ends up being this level in the 10 year. Clearly, everybody's watching. They had the trades preloaded. Also, a 5% drop from the high is kind of where things, if you believe it's a bull market, where you start to say the odds go in your favor. Obviously, nothing is settled today. We don't know if the stabilization is going to continue, but it shows you that it wasn't at least uh, kind of a one-way down ticket uh, all the way into Friday's options expiration, at least not as of right now. Yeah. So, you know, we're thinking about NVIDIA. Apple has a nice uh, bunch of buys come in, yep. so it goes green. You guys, you fellas, are going to be hosting at 6 o'clock tonight, taking stock, right? Yeah. What are we, uh, what are we looking to do here? They're, they're letting us do it again. I mean, we have a long time to figure that out, I guess. But <laughs> NVIDIA is going to be uh, one thing, and we might actually debate it. I think we are going to. I think yeah. it, seems, it seems from the early meetings about tonight's show, <laughs> there might be a debate. Uh, there's a lot, this, is a, this is actually a pretty good week. There's a lot of stuff that's gone on. We're going to give you the Santoli Brown uh, rendition of it. And look ahead to next week. So if you're uh, if you're hanging out tonight, get the party started a little bit later. 
finish with us six to seven o'clock. Visual aids on CNBC. Uh, Palo, Palo Alto, Palo Alto may yeah. be a significant part of we'll the see story what happens. tonight. We're, We're going to have see. some something fresh to work with. Hey, what do yeah. you make of that, by the way? Just this Friday night earnings. Look, I think it's summer. I think it's, it's just, probably it's so just a rare. just a one-off circumstantial thing for for company specific reasons. I was saying earlier there was a time you didn't know when companies were going to report exactly. It's not like now everything is stage managed. I also remember a couple of companies used to report during the trading hours. National Semi, they would just throw a tape bomb out there. Yeah. Nobody nobody complained. They only do it now if it's a mistake. Yeah, exactly. Yes. All right, you'll be looking Then you got to file the 8K really fast. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. All right guys, well Break a leg tonight. All right, thanks we'll look a lot. forward to that. That's Mike and Josh. They'll be 6 o'clock taking stock. Up next, some committee moves in tech. We hit those after the break. Heard one of our committee members was making a few moves today. He's Bill Baruch. Some fresh buys in tech, which is why he is joining us now. It's good to see you. So you bought more Apple, right? You trimmed it late July. Why now? It's taking advantage of this pullback, I suspect. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on, Judge. Uh, 10% from where we sold it, it's moving down pretty good into, uh, you know, I, I like to look at the broader market right now, too, as a as, as a uh, measured downside uh, from where we've seen here the sell-off. Uh, you know, you talked about PayPal earlier in the in the segment, and, you know, we don't always eat PayPal's lunch, it's Apple. They're, they're eating into that with Apple Wallet right now. I think their diversification of revenue streams is getting a little unnoticed, and then uh, spreading into emerging market economies is definitely something, too. Another A is on your list. You sold Adobe uh, on July 27th, but now you've bought it back. Yeah, yeah. We're actually buying it back roughly where we sold it. This stock has held up extremely well through through all this volatility. Uh, I, you know, we're, we're doing a couple of marketing projects with outsourced marketing companies. And everybody's using Figma. I, I like where Adobe's positioned across the place, uh, space and creativity. Uh, I mean, but momentum behind this name has done really well, too. And lastly, uh, a name that Josh knows very well, and he can uh, opine on it uh, after I bring it up, uh, Oracle, the new buy. Why? Yeah, Oracle's a new stock we haven't owned, and uh, I mean, it's done tremendous this year. They're arguably one of the top earnings uh, beats this this year have done well since that uh, that June report have held really well out above there I'm trying to find the companies that have done really well in earnings this this uh, this year Maybe not Apple so much, but uh, and I think that the momentum will be there I'm looking again that measured downside when this rate of change in the bond market stops I, I think that we're going to see uh, you know, tech be able to start start moving higher and I want to I want to own the leadership Josh Oracle uh, I like the stock. I sold it right around here. It's not a stock that I've taken off my radar. Like, I, I continue to follow it. Um, I'd probably get more interested on the next breakout. I think it's in for some consolidation. This is a stock that's made a huge move. It went from being one of the cheapest large cap tech. Now it's a 37 PE. It's among the more expensive, uh, deserved, because they've been executing. Um, but I, want, I, I probably want to buy this with more of a, a technical catalyst. But I do, think, uh, I do think Bill will make money here. Yeah, up 40-plus percent year to date. Brian Belsky? Huge balance sheet, great cash flow monster. We've owned it in our value portfolio for five years and not tactical for the last 12 or 18 months. It's got the best database in the world in terms of information, so of course it's going to be a great AI play. All right. Hey, Bill, appreciate it very much. Uh, appreciate you keeping on. us up on what's going on. We'll talk to you soon. That's Bill Baruch joining us with his new moves. Coming up, we'll give you the setup for next week, a handful of names that you need to know about are reporting results. There's some of them right there. Obviously, NVIDIA is the headliner. It's got Lowe's and Macy's and some others as well. We're back after this. Another big week 
coming up for earnings. Autodesk is on our list, and it's on yours too, Carrie. Yeah, so we think that Autodesk will have a decent quarter. This has been a stock that's been in the doghouse for a while. They make software provided for building, for all types of uh, materials, industrial use. And it's, it's time that the stock starts to turn around. It's really built a base. Uh, so numbers are starting to come in better. This quarter will be up quarter. By next year, they should be in the double digits for both sales and earnings. And so, you know, we, we think the number is going to be reasonably good. But it's about the guidance. It's going to be really about the guidance. Well, and if they is. see that there's is. an improvement. Yeah, okay. of course. Uh, Brian, yeah. Medtronic and Lowe's. You know, a couple of great value names. Uh, Medtronic has been an area that is stock that's really focusing on their um, organic growth. Lowe's has been a great stock in terms of, of delivering earnings and, and dividends. So names that we've owned for a long time. Uh, Weiss, Dick Sporting Goods. That's next week as well, right? Tuesday. It is, it is. Uh, look, the stock's been a phenomenal stock. It's probably been one of the best acting retail stocks there is. Um, but, you know, 150 is sort of my price target. It's about 10, 11 times earnings now. That sounds cheap relative to the market, but it's really not that cheap. So I can't really tell you if I'm going to be there when they report or not because I'm so close to the price target. Josh, and you, but you mentioned. I have no reason to believe that they won't have a good quarter. Okay. Uh, Josh, you mentioned at the top uh, Toll Brothers. You mentioned sort of your concerns around housing. What's your view of, of housing stocks right here? Just given where mortgage rates are, these stocks had that really big run. Now what? I, I think that you, we asked all year, I don't understand why isn't 5% mortgages hurting these home builders. Then we asked it at five and a half, then six, then six and a half. Apparently the magic number is seven and a quarter. On a, on a, I don't know what I don't know why, but that was the that was the the point at which uh, the bulls took profits or or the bears came in or some combination. Uh, I think these stocks will will catch themselves before this correction really becomes something more major, only because of the supply demand dynamic dynamics and the demography at play. None of that changes no matter what you do with mortgage rates. So I'd be more looking to buy these stocks on weakness than, than uh, take profits at this point. All right, quick break. Final trades are next. Closing bell, 3 o'clock Eastern. Bryn Talkington will be with me today along with Dan Greenhouse. And as I mentioned before, Dan Ives. We're going to count you down to that. Palo Alto release in overtime. Also taking stock. One more reminder, Josh and Mike, 6 o'clock Eastern tonight. You don't want to miss that. Mm. And let's do final trades. Carrie Firestone. I'm going to give you a line. A line technologies. It makes the clear liner. Braces had a great move at the beginning of the year, and it's really been treading water, building a base. We think people are starting to spend money on goods. And definitely, braces are not a service. They were good. Mr. Freeze. I.E. Weiss. <laughs> Dr. Freeze to you. Uh, Baba, look, the worse things get in China, uh, the more likely they come with the big bazooka. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. History is going to repeat itself. Stock is compellingly cheap. All right. Good stuff. Thank so, you for that. Baba. Brian Belsky. Yeah. Raymond James, one of the last standing regional brokerage firms, a great place for a lot of the wirehouse brokers to go to. And down 10% year to date, I think it's a great bottom fishing candidate. All right, good to see you. Thanks for being here. What do you got? You know what didn't pull back in August? Energy, IEO at a 52-week high. All right, good stuff. Good luck tonight at 6. Thank Look you. Look forward to seeing you, you then. The exchange is now.
You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. All opinions expressed by the Halftime Report participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Halftime Report participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Halftime Report Disclaimer. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.